Well, uh, good morning and uh, welcome. Uh, let me say welcome too. I'm glad that you're here and uh, welcome to our uh, new uh, temporary home here in the cafeteria. And that's a little more uh, intimate and a little closer together, but uh, I think it's going to be a good home for us in the interim here. And uh, we're excited about being over here. I, I want to say uh, a couple things. First, a special thank you. There were a whole group of people who gave a big chunk of their Saturday yesterday uh, to get in here and kind of set everything up ahead of time so we could make sure how everything was going to work and tweak sound and lighting and all that stuff. And to that group of people, thank you uh, for giving up your Saturday. We really appreciate it. Then I need to, uh, obviously, uh, the first few weeks that we're in here, it's a little bit of a learning process for us and uh, it will take us some time to tweak things and we already found a couple of things this morning that don't work exactly the way we thought they would, and so we'll fix those things. Uh, I need to ask for your help. I know it is the American tendency to come into any room when there are seats like this, and we take the outside seats and leave all the middle seats open, right? I know everybody does it. I do the same thing most places I go. Uh, but because of the seating in here, it would really help us when you come in if you'd move to the middle first and leave the outside seats open. And that way, as people uh, who come in later... Uh, They'll be able to find some seats and they won't be stuck standing in the back going, I don't think there's a place for me. And uh, so if you could help us out with that, that would be really appreciated. Uh, that'll be great. Well, I uh, took a trip this week to Orlando and uh, it was a journey, a little bit of a journey for me. And so I was thinking about what we've been talking about here as far as the journey. And it was a good trip for me, but it could have been better. And here's why. Now, I had clear directions. I, I knew how to get to where I was going, at least until the last little bit where somebody had given me some misinformation. But mostly I had good directions. I packed light, didn't need to take a lot along for the journey. I wasn't in a hurry as I drove to Orlando. I actually left a little early, and so I made a couple stops along the way. But there was something missing. I was by myself. Um, my favorite traveling companion, my wife, Peg, she's not even in here this time, I'm still saying it, um, Got a lot more reaction than the other service because she was in the room. But um, seriously, my favorite traveling companion wasn't with me, so I didn't have anybody to have good conversation with. So the trip wasn't all that it could have been. But we're a couple of weeks into this series called The Journey, and we are uh, discovering that there are some principles, there are some habits, some tools in the Bible that help us on our journey through life. And we said the very first week that God isn't just concerned about our destination. God is equally concerned that we find joy and fulfillment in the journey. Now, we began this series by talking about God's GPS for our journey. It's the Bible. And we looked at the value and the power of the Bible and how it guides us and gives us clear directions on our journey. In fact, we challenge you to do some things. Let me just uh, ask you how you're doing on those things. We asked you the last couple of weeks to read through Psalm 119 because it lists over and over and over again the benefits of reading the Bible and what that does for our lives. So I wonder how many of you have been reading Psalm 119? Have you make it all the way through? Good. Several hands there. Thanks for doing that. Uh, the other thing we've been really uh, encouraging you to do, not just for this series, but so that it will become a habit around here, we've been encouraging you to bring your Bible. So uh, how many of you uh, brought your Bible this morning? Really good. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, please, as you exit today, there's a table near the uh, door back there, and uh, there's some Bibles on that table. Pick one of those up, put your name in it, take it home. We want you to have that Bible because we want you to be able to read your Bible on a regular basis. Um, today I want to kind of talk about the second part of this series and begin to talk about having that conversation. 
God has said to us that He wants to be our traveling companion. He, he said to us in the Bible, I want to join you on this journey. And He's invited us to have conversation with Him as we take the journey. That The Bible calls that conversation prayer. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about this relationship, this conversation that God has invited us to have and how that helps us along on the journey. I heard about a, a pastor who bought a parrot. And uh, when he bought the parrot, all the parrot could say was, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Well, the pastor thought, certainly I ought to be able to teach this parrot to say more things than let's pray. He heard about a leader in his church who had another parrot, and in his parrot all the time said, uh, just kept saying over and over, let me kiss you, let me kiss you. Well, they thought, maybe we get our birds together, you know, they might teach each other, they might expand their vocabulary. So the leader brings his parrot over, they put him in the same cage and as soon as the, the uh, leader's parrot gets in there, he says, let's kiss, let's kiss. To which the pastor's parrot replies, my prayers have been answered. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, my goal for the next couple of weeks is very simple. Just like the first couple of weeks, my goal these, these two weeks is just to encourage you and convince you to pray every day. So today I want to talk about the value of prayer and help you to see that there is tremendous value when we pray. And then next week, I want to let Jesus teach us how to pray. It is very simple, and sometimes we make, tend to make it very complicated. But next week, I want to talk specifically about the how of prayer. As I said today, I want to talk about the value of prayer. And where I want to begin is in the Bible, a couple of verses of Scripture, in Philippians chapter 4. And so if you have your Bible, please open it up there and let's look at that together. Philippians is toward the end of your Bible. Uh, it's in the New Testament. Uh, you'll come to Galatians and Ephesians and then Philippians. If you get to Colossians and the Thessalonians, you've gone too far. Philippians chapter 4, just a couple of verses. Now, Paul is writing here. And uh, Paul was a leader in the early church. And if you study through Paul's life, you discover he had a lot of twists and turns on his journey through life. Uh, there were really good moments and there were a lot of really, really difficult moments. And I think that as Paul makes that journey through life, he has discovered the value of prayer and he very succinctly talks about it in these two verses, the power that he's discovered of prayer in his life. And here's what he says, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And as I told him last week, one thing we've discovered is I can't see my Bible up here very well. Yeah, and you guys can't either. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on that too. So here we go. Do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious kind of denotes the idea of a very self-centered doubtful worry kind of thinking. You know, it's very much focused on, oh, I'm kind of all alone. There's nobody to help me. Woe is me. It's very filled with worry. You know, the fretting over what's going to happen next in life. Paul says, don't have that attitude. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He sets it up really as, there are two kind of opposing powers here. There, there is the power of anxiety, and probably all of us have succumbed to that power in our lives. And, <clears throat> excuse me, there is the power of prayer. The reality is you and I get to make the choice which power is going to rule in our life, which power is going to have influence over us. Are we going to let the power of anxiety control our lives, or are we going to let the power of prayer influence our lives? Well, here's what Paul says, verse 7. He says, if we'll let the power of prayer rule over us, if we'll share with God, if we'll have that conversation with God, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
he says there is this peace that comes. Now, it is not just some psychological state of mind. It, it is a peace that really is beyond understanding. I'll be honest, I have experienced this peace in my life because of my relationship with God, but I can't necessarily explain to you how it works. But trust me, it is there. When I am having my a regular conversation with God and I am choosing to let the power of prayer rule my life instead of the power of anxiety, there is this peace. And he uses the word there in verse 7 that it will guard your heart. It's the word picture of a soldier or a sentry that stands guard, stands, has a post that he guards. And God says, and Paul says in this passage that this peace that we can't explain, that it acts as a guard in our hearts through the power of Jesus when we rely on the power of prayer. So I try to think this week, what, what is the best way to help us really understand the value of prayer that Paul talks about in this verse? And I decided the best thing we could do is share some stories with you from people here at Crosspoint who have relied on the power of prayer in their lives, who have chosen prayer instead of letting anxiety rule in their lives. Not that they haven't had difficult moments. And so uh, some of this is on video and some of this we're going to do live. And uh, first, uh, I want you to uh, welcome Brad and Abby Zacharitz, and uh, they're going to share their story with us for a minute. said in first service I would have done my hair if I knew I was going to be up here. And I said, <laughs> I said, oh, and that was my first thought. Look at her hair. You know. and, and I said, and she said, yeah. <laughs> and that's her story. So guys, um, let's just begin really at the beginning of the story, which is a good place to start. And, um, just share with us, you know, just a few years after you got married, um, you started to have, trying to have children and kind of talk through the experiences of what happened. Well, about two years after we got married, we said, you know, it's time we're going to try to have babies and never thought anything about it, just tried. And three months later, we got pregnant and we went and told all of our family and friends right away because uh, the thought of miscarriage Cause, cause or anything. We were yeah, we were excited. And the thought of miscarriage never even crossed our minds, it's not my family. My sisters had never miscarried. My mom had never miscarried, and uh, his family hadn't. And um, so we told everybody, and then about uh, eight, at our eight-week checkup, you know, your first appointment, the doctor said they couldn't find the baby's heartbeat, but that it could be normal. It might, they uh, weren't sure, so they said to come back in two weeks, which was really hard because for two weeks we had to wait, not knowing if our baby was alive or and so we uh, we we kind of tried to just keep hope going, um, and we really just kind of poured out to God, just asking Him, please, you know, let everything be okay. That we go to this next appointment and everything just be fine, God. Just please let that happen. We were belie- we were believing it was too. Yeah. So, um, but then we went to the appointment and they said the baby had died, and uh, I had to have a DNC, which is an operation where they take the baby. And then um, they said, wait two months and you can try again. And we waited two months, tried again. We got pregnant right away. And we went, yeah, we had no problems there. That's awful personal. Yeah. 
so moving right along. Yeah. It didn't go the direct, that direction uh, in first service. <laughs> well, uh, so the we get we got pregnant again, and uh, and sh- the only reason we found out that we were pregnant the second time was that uh, I was actually getting ready to come on staff at Crosspoint, and uh, with the insurance changes from my current employer to to working at the church. Uh, we had to know if we were pregnant or not because there would be some things there. So we took a pregnancy test, found out that we were pregnant, and then three days later uh, we we lost the baby. And uh, the only reason we knew about that one was the job change, but still a pretty devastating thing to know that we were pregnant and all the joy and then it being taken. So we uh, waited two months, and then we tried again, and we got pregnant, and... Uh, we went in for at five weeks because we had had a history of miscarriages, and they said the baby looks great. That we heard the heartbeat, which is the best sound in the it world. It was awesome. Yeah, and then um, at ten weeks, uh, or to eight to ten weeks, um, my body went into labor. They don't call it labor, but it's essentially what it is. And I went to the emergency room, and the baby died there. And th- this was by by far the the hardest for for the two of us uh, and you know uh, with with Abby there there's more of an emotional side of with 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 the woman and and for me I was just kind of confused through it all and uh, and this time I just the the, the physical seeing uh, of this happening and uh, and and this was the point where we just kind of pleaded to God and and I honestly started asking God some tough questions, like, you know, what what is going on? You know, what, are we doing something wrong? Is there something, is there something out there? And uh, and we just we just pleaded God that that He would provide a, a child for us. Yeah, we started praying with belief that we were going to receive God's blessings, and that was that's really hard when you, everything in the world is showing you the opposite, but. You know, the doctors are saying, well, we don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong, and uh, uh, and nothing's wrong with the baby, so we can't we can't figure out why. And um, but we just started playing, praying with the belief because God had showed me in His Word. I read Esther and Ruth, and it was about opening up a woman's womb and them getting pregnant, and it was just wonderful. And I just clung to that, and I prayed with that belief that we were going to be blessed with the baby. Go ahead. Oh, and I was gonna say, and, and then we got pregnant again. Um, but it, it was it wasn't right away like the others. So it was it was kind of you you had asked God not to let you be pregnant again until you were gonna have the child. And uh, and was it five months later that we got pregnant with our our daughter Annabelle? And uh, and God was faithful through it all. So you've kind of woven it into the story a little bit, but maybe just a little more specifically, how? How did you find prayer to be soothing in a sense? How did it provide that peace that the Bible talks about? Well, for me, it was I, I'm that anxious person. Like I feel like I can try to control it, and um, thought you know, like like every time I get pregnant, I would like sit down and not move for about you know all day. I just sit there and be like, I can't exercise. I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to mess anything up. And God, when I would just pray to Him about this, He'd just be like just be calm and he'd give me that but it was a constant I had to constantly go back to him because my anxiety and my worries about it would come back every time so the more I was in prayer the calmer I'd be but the whenever I strayed away from prayer then I'd start to take over myself and it 
wouldn't work. Yeah, God kind of, it seemed like God was almost like linking our arms together because it really pulled Abby and I's relationship really close because all we had was each other and God. Um, you know, we didn't really want to talk to anyone about it. Like, this is the first time that a lot of you have even heard of us having miscarriages. But, you know, we just, we, we didn't want to approach conversations. And Abby got to the point where she didn't even want to see anyone because it was like bringing up the, like, do they know, do they not know? And and God through that all was the person that we could go to and, and just and just talk to and be honest with and ask him the tough questions. And it was like he linked our arms together, and with him we got through this, and he provided. It was the for me personally, it was the first tragedy I'd ever had in my life at that point. So it was, I'd never, I'd been very blessed up to up until that point. So I, I had never, um, and I'm continued to be blessed because obviously, you know, I'm pregnant. Round, round two. <laughs> you got pregnant fast. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite so fast this time, but. Guys, thanks for sharing, and thanks for being willing to be transparent and uh, help us to have that glimpse into the power of prayer in your life. Well, there's another story I want to share with you, and this one is uh, by video, and uh, this is the story of uh, John and uh, Jessica Huber, and we'll just let the video roll, and then I'll uh, fill in any holes after you see this. I'm a professional baseball player. I play for the Seattle Mariners. This was my uh, this was my ninth year of playing. In fact, I was drafted out of high school from Norfolk Myers High. And uh, 2000, and playing ever since. And uh, 2006, made it to the big leagues. And then uh, 2007, came around, didn't make the big league team, but made it back to the big leagues in uh, the end of May. I'm sorry, yes, end of May. Got back up to the big leagues, finished the year. That was all year, 07, it's pretty much was up all year almost. And then got hurt. I got hurt, actually, in the middle of the season, so it was up there on on DL time and stuff like that, got hurt. And then this year I came back in spring training, you know, healthy, you know, I mean, trying to make the team. Didn't really get a didn't get a, a fair shake, if you will, you know, which was to be expected. So then went back to AAA. Thought, you know, just you know, keep working, get right, get right back there, you know, do what you gotta do, put up some zeros, and then get back to the big leagues, or whatever. That was the plan. But uh, Mariners had others, and then uh, they they uh, they took me off the uh, big league roster like opening day in AAA. So I think right off the bat, you know, just didn't didn't see things going the way I wanted to go right off the bat, you know, and so I just tried to try to just to I knew what I had to do was you know what I mean go out there just try to ignore this and just get again go out there put up zeros and get back to the big leagues, but I couldn't really shake the shake the little demon, you know, that kept pulling me down, you know, getting me bitter or discouraged or whatever, you know, and uh, and so I was battling all year with that and. And I just turned, you know, I knew what I had to do, and I just turned to God, and, and it was, like, you know, I'm I'm down in a hole, and I need some help. Can you, you know, help me out, pull me out of this, or I got to find a way to, to keep my spirits high and, and still be a good, a good, you know, Christian and a good person. You know, I know this baseball is my life, but it's not all there is in life. You know, I mean, meaning my life, it's my career, but it's not really what's important. You know, I, I got to find a way to come home to my wife and not be bitter and mad about what happened at work or that things aren't going the way that I want them to go or whatever. And, and so I would always, you know, just pray, pray to God all the time to, to give me strength and guidance and, and, and show me show me the right way and show me show me what I needed it, what I need to be doing, what it is I need to learn, what's what am I doing wrong or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And we just constantly confide in Jesus and pray to him all the time and ask for guidance as much as I could. Well, I felt frustrated and just 
kind of disappointed for him because, like you said, I don't really think he got a real fair shot after being injured and stuff. So um, it was scary at the same time, too, just not really knowing what was going to happen and just um, just kind of, I don't know, <laughs> part of baseball, I guess, not ever really knowing what's going to happen. But um, prayer just helps me, I mean, just like it helps me in every situation, but, I mean, helps me feel secure, help me feel, know that it gave me hope and, know, and strength to support him and stay supportive, you know, as his wife, and I ask for patience every day, because I'm not a very patient person, <laughs> so pretty much all season I ask for patience and strength just to keep him positive and spirits high, but also to keep my spirits high and, and just to have that hope of, you know, what will come out of you know, all of this. Like, I knew, even though he was struggling and at times we were down and we just didn't think, you know, couldn't understand why it was going on or anything like that, we knew that we were learning at the same time. Even with the outcome of baseball, whatever it will it will be in the end, we know that through this, through 2008 <laughs> season, like, we learned a lot. You know, I, I learned to trust in God more. I, I know that I, you know, I trust in Him, but the same time when you struggle you can't you have to what else what else is there right. like you just it's like the old saying right you learn more from failure than you do from success yeah, right? what we planned basically didn't happen but at the same time he's what gave us that hope in the first place so there was an, like how, who are we to get mad at him you know what i mean like he's we already that's what i was telling him too that we we already feel very blessed in our lives, and, you know, we everyone tries to have a plan, and but we know it's not always going to work out the way we think it's going to, and that just, I feel like that's what keeps us going, because we know it's his plan, and we are, we are not in control. So, so thanks, John and Jessica, for uh, also just being transparent and and just uh, a reminder that, you know, no matter where we are in life, no matter what it is that we're pursuing, no matter where our journey is taking us, there are obstacles and there are curves that we don't expect. And in the midst of those, there will be this tendency that we'll, we'll have anxiety. And again, Paul says that the antidote to that is prayer. It's having that conversation with our travel companion and saying to him, I don't understand. I'm, my feelings about this aren't very good, God. And just being honest with Him. And that's where that peace comes from. Well, there's one more person I want to interview this morning, and that's Susan Capel. And uh, Susan has been part of uh, Crosspoint since the very beginning. And um, I wanted to talk to Susan because I uh, think of Susan as um, somebody who has a really good habit of prayer in her life. It is just something that she lives out on a regular basis, and I know the impact that it's had in her life. So I thought it'd be interesting for you to hear from her. Uh, Susan uh, also works at the New Mission Systems, and you hear us talk about that from time to time around here. It is a mission-sending organization over in Fort Myers, and uh, one of our ministry partners that we're uh, linked with in terms of our global outreach around the world. And uh, so she's a part of, of that family over there as well. Susan, I know that uh, prayer is... a uh, such a habit in your life, but would you just talk about when it was that you discovered the value of prayer? Well, it first began when um, when I was going to First Christian 
probably 20 years ago, and Jeff Metzger um, preached a sermon on prayer, and um, he he got his resources from a book by Bill Hybels, Too Busy Not to Pray, and that just really impacted me and um, just caused me to really look deeper at what prayer was. Um, So do you pray every day? Um, I do, but probably not in the way that everybody would think of prayer. Like, I don't always get on my knees and pray. I mean, I talk to God every day, though. Yeah, and and actually, the beginning of my journey after the initial um, sermon series that I heard um, began with a a good friend of mine, my best friend. Um, She wasn't my best friend at the time, but we began a mentoring prayer relationship, and um, we met together weekly and prayed together weekly, and through the course of several years of doing that, it just really increased my my faith and my... um, trust in God, and I just saw a lot of um, how God is glorified through that and how he works in our lives. Um, Elaborate a little bit on, I don't get on my knees and pray every day, but I do pray every day. So when does that happen? What does that look like? Well, I feel like when we develop, it's just a relationship, like you were saying. So I feel like when we really develop our, our prayer life, it's really just developing our relationship with God and clinging to God and trusting God and everything. So you know, in the Bible it says to pray without ceasing, and that's kind of a hard thing to grasp because you're thinking, if you're thinking of prayer, like you've got to stop everything and just, pray, you know, talk to God in that way, how could you do that? You wouldn't be able to function. You wouldn't be able to get through your day. So I think prayer without ceasing is just being in God's presence and considering God in all things you're doing, and whether you're driving to work, whether you're having to make a decision at work, whether you're dealing with your children or your husband or your Friends, I mean, just always considering God and almost like he's there with you every moment of every day. Like, you know, when you were saying Peg wasn't there, God can be ever-present. He is ever-present, even though our spouse can't always be there yeah. with us in the car. <laughs> uh, tell us a, a time where something in prayer really impacted your life. Well, one of the um, bigger um, things I can think of, because it really ushered me into ministry full-time, really it was the beginning of my my really full-time ministry, was um, a few years back, about seven years ago, we were in a particularly hard time economically, and I'm sure people can relate to that now, because a lot of us are. But it was it was kind of rough. We were just barely, barely making our bills, and I was working a job um, that didn't really give me time to do anything. I was working... 10, 12-hour days, six days a week from home. I was doing medical transcriptioning, but it was constant, and it, there was still just barely enough money to pay the bills, and it just there was something about it that didn't make sense. And so I was reading my Bible one day, and I ran across um, Psalm 127 in there. There's a, a verse that says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. And it just dawned on me that um, I was trying to do it all on my own, and I wasn't able to. And... Believe it or not, the very next day I called and gave a two-week notice for my job because I just really felt deeply led that I was not doing the right thing. No matter how hard I tried, it wouldn't really change anything. And I just really wanted to trust God to make a change in our life. So then I actually did. This is, You know how you go through those times where you... um, it gets more serious and so you have to it's like you're drawn even more to the throne of god so i we we were in a three-story house and i went upstairs every day for three weeks and spent many many hours up there on my knees um just saying god everything i have is yours i don't want any of it 
I want you to be glorified in all my stuff and in everything I do. I want a life. I want to live my life for you. I don't really want to live it for me, and I don't want to be the one in control trying to make all the stuff happen. So basically, there was a process in that three weeks of just really um, delighting in the Lord and giving Him my heart. And um, about three weeks into it, out of the blue, I got a call from Gwen Hudson, who Phil Hudson's the president of our mission. It's his wife, and she said. Um, have you and Donald ever thought about selling your house? We have a missionary couple with three kids that wants to move here, and we just think your house would be perfect for them. And, of course, the first thing I thought was missionaries, they won't be able to afford it. <laughs> but, lo and behold, they came. We didn't even know them, but they came and stayed with Donald and I for five days, and I figured the best way to show them our house is to have them live with us. So they came and stayed with us, and um, the end of our time together, we were sitting there eating breakfast. The whole time was just full of... Um, talking about God and our journey and our walk. And um, the very last day they were there, we were sitting at the breakfast table, and David said, um, well, I guess we should talk about whether or not we're going to buy your house. And they just said, we'll take it. You know, So it was, just, it was actually just an amazing, amazing time for us. And um, Donald and I ended up moving next door, and uh, it, it, that really enabled me to be able to begin volunteering and then becoming full-time at the mission. So I just really feel like God's hand was in that whole process. And then he gave my house to Christians that I work with, which is incredible. And I never have had regrets about, you know, giving up my home, which a lot of people would say, wow, how was that moving from a huge house to a little house next door? And I'm just like, you know what? I never even looked back. I mean, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But in my worldly sense, I wouldn't have thought that. It wouldn't have been what I'd chosen for myself. But God, you know, knows better. Does God always answer your prayers, every one of them? Um, actually, the answer to that is yes, but not like you would think. Um, I think that when we pray and when we consider God's answers, we don't, we're so limited in our ability to understand who God is and how he works and functions that, um, you know, we don't understand sometimes how he answers, but his whole goal for us is to draw him close to him. His whole goal for my life is not what I have and what I'm doing here so much on earth. It's do, you know, am I growing in him so that when I do die or, you know, do I have eternity? So that's the most important thing. So I believe, yes, God answers our prayers because if we're seeking him in our prayers, yeah. you know, and yeah. not for things, but for character and guidance. And mm-hmm. I'm praying scripture for your life is yeah. huge, too. So did you have some kind of formal training in how to pray? <laughs> no. No, it's kind of like how you have formal training before you meet your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> not, it's True. not there. Um, no, if you have a relationship with a child, a spouse, a friend, then you can pray because it's all about relationship. It's all about talking to God. And uh, God wants to hear from us. He wants us to process with him. Even though he knows our thoughts and he knows what we're going to say, he needs us to say it, and he needs us to be open and honest and vulnerable with him all the time just yeah. so that he can work in our lives. So no no formal, although I have to say practice, I think, increases our connectedness to God, sure. practicing talking to God and practicing being with him and yeah. considering him in all things. Good. So. Good. Hey, thanks for sharing. I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, next week we'll spend some more time talking about the how, but I hope that gives you just a small glimpse into the value of prayer 
and the reality that it does bring this sense of peace that, again, I can't explain, but it is incredibly real. Listen again to what Paul said about prayer, just as one final reminder. He said, Do not be anxious about anything, not about your children, not about the path of your career, not about loss in life, not about difficult times. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. God, prayer is a wonderful gift to us. And Father, would You help us not to take it for granted, not to take it lightly, not to miss the power of it. God, I just uh, pray that You'd help us to use it. God, I thank You that You've joined us on the journey and You are that traveling companion in the seat next to us. And I pray, God, that You would help us just to, just to talk to You, just to share our hearts with You. And Father, that as we do that, we would discover the incredible value of prayer in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.